welcome to this um, seminar, part of the Unify track um, on grandparenting. My name is, uh, is Robin. I worship at the Coin Church in Woking, which of course where Malcolm has been a pastor uh, for 26 years. Um, I thought when I was going to host this that they'd give me all sorts of instructions, health and safety stuff about um, uh, what happens in an event of fire and things, but let's face it, there's probably going to be looking at the average age in the room, a different type of emergency is probably more likely. So they're very thoughtfully <laughs> positions are sent very close to the toilets on that side, which you just go there. So, <laughs> so how does um, grandparenting fit in with, um, with Unify? One, one of the core elements of the Unify part of the Shore strategy is that we all have an important part to play. So it's a type of unity we see Paul talking about in 1 Corinthians 12 when he talks about uh, the body and each of us having an important part to play. And that illustration, that metaphor, I'm sure isn't just about narrow sort of view of uh, church meetings, although that's going to be an important part, but actually the breadth and scope of that um, reaches really to everyone in the church, whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And grandparenting must be a really important role, a really important part um, of the body of Christ, not just of the body of Christ, but actually in the purposes of God uh, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. I think it's that important, that big. Malcolm, as I said, he was... Um, Myself and Anna's pastor at The Coin for 26 years. Um, just moved on from there to new challenges. His wife, Pam, as well. They're both going to be involved today. Um, now, we've known Malcolm and Pam all that time. We've prayed for each other. We've played football together. Uh, we've even sung Beatles songs together. But there weren't that many people there, so that's probably just as well. Um, but one of the things that I've had the privilege to see over the last few years is Malcolm and Pam um, becoming grandparents and actually seeing um, the extent of their love for them, the joy and the pride. Um, it's wonderful. And as a grandparent and myself with um, Anna, my wife, um, you know, we share that same joy. Um, Malcolm's very good at sport, and annoyingly, um, he seems to be good at nearly every sport. But at least if grandparenting was a sport, I'm winning 9-4 at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, now enough of me. Um, I'm really looking forward to the next hour, hour and a half. And I'd like you to give a really warm welcome uh, to Malcolm and Pam. Thank you very much, Robin. Thank you for coming. I'll speak up. This is the grandparenting seminar. Have you forgotten where you are? You're not quite sure. Uh, I've got a good voice. I'll speak out and clear. Uh, if you're not quite sure, then there are still some seats at the front. Uh, you can come and take those up. And Robin's given a good introduction about the really important role of grandparenting. 
uh, and yet it's a challenge, especially these days where family life has more stresses and strains, geographical movement, divorce, all sorts of things like that make it far more complicated. I was talking to some of our Indian friends, and they, of course, live in context. Lots of them were there with their grandparents, and they raised with their grandparents. And that's probably how it used to be a few generations ago uh, in the UK. But it's different. And there's so many different scenarios now that uh, you'll be reassured to know that Pam and I don't have all the answers. Uh, and we may not be able to help you about your individual case. Uh, and challenge, but hopefully we will have some opportunity for Q&A at the end, but more than that, maybe just an opportunity to pray with and for one another to encourage us in our grandparenting. Now, not all of you will be grandparents. Some of you, that might be a role that's heading in your direction. So as Robin says, Pam and I, we've been married 44 years. Uh, our eldest girl is 40, Lindsay and she lives up in uh, Manchester, near Manchester, and she struggled to conceive. She went through IVF, and on her last kind of course, had a little girl called Megan, and she's happily married, uh, Lindsay, to, to Chris. They don't go to church. She was raised in church, but they don't go to church, but we, we love them. We have a great relationship with them. And our second daughter is 39, and uh, she lives in Woking, where we live, and uh, she has three granddaughters. So there's Amala, who is eight. There's Jasmine, who is six. And Megan, the other granddaughter, is six as well. And uh, our daughter, Jo, has just provided another granddaughter for us uh, called Trixie. And uh, she's about four or five months old. In fact, we've just had a family holiday together. All of us went together to Mallorca. And uh, it, it was, since then, we've changed all of our notes. We, we've decided we know nothing about grandparenting at all. But actually, true is, truth is, it was a lovely time. It was a brilliant time. I'm going to tell you one story that I'm probably going to repeat a few times for you. We decided, obviously, to travel with Joe and Mark, her husband, and they come to the Coin Church and the three granddaughters. Uh, because we're in the same town. We traveled together, and we thought, what's it going to be like with little Trixie on the plane for a few hours, and so on. So we were going to Mallorca. We arrived at Palmer, and uh, we, went through, uh, we went through the passport control, and a lady kind of came to me uh, beyond passport control and said, I guess you're the grandparents of those three girls. And I said, yes. And she said, I just want to tell you, they were so brilliantly behaved on the plane. And you know, my heart, calf, my head, everything. I, you know, I just thought, wow, isn't that lovely to have that sort of feedback? I mean, we didn't tell her that Pam and I had been praying and fasting for 40 days <laughs> about the, those three hours of a journey where you can imagine everything can go wrong and it can be really difficult. And, Actually, it was true. They were really well behaved. On the holiday, a couple of them had a few kind of fallouts and paddies and difficulty, but mostly it was a really good time. But we haven't got the perfect family, and we haven't got all the answers. But uh, as a kind of a church leader, uh, I think it's really important that we try and minister to all ages and all groups. And you will probably go to lots and lots of seminars about parenting, but maybe not many about grandparenting. 
Uh, and uh, the Bible has something to say about grandparenting, and we can learn together. And Pam's going to be with me. She's an outstanding grandma, and uh, she's going to be helping me as I share with you. Uh, as uh, parents, you really need to be nice to your children. I think we've done okay with Lindsay and with Joe because at the end of your life, they get to choose your nursing home. <laughs> so you need to make sure you're kind to your children. Pam and I had a conversation in a car. There was another couple in the church in a car, and the other couple were talking about his parents who were quite elderly, and they said, we don't think they'll go into a residential home. We think they should go straight into assisted living. And as I was heading towards my kind of retirement, whatever that means from leading the coin church, I said to Pam jokingly, I said, maybe that's what we should do, Pam. Forget like, uh, you know, a, a nursing home or something like that. Let's go straight into assisted living. And Pam turned to me and said, you live there already. So true, I, for once in my life, I didn't have an answer. It was true, I was nailed, I was stuck. But I would say also, just generally, regarding discipline as parents and grandparents, praise is the best discipline. Praise, commendation is the best discipline. Behavior that's rewarded and recognized can get repeated. So it's really important that we can all learn something about grandparenting. Uh, one of my biggest kind of highlights as a grandparent was a few years ago when Amala, our eldest granddaughter, had, had just learned to kind of toddle. And it was between meetings. We had two meetings in a, a Sunday morning at the coin, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And we finished the 9 o'clock. It was about half just after half past ten, and I was talking to a, a couple of people in the church, and then I was aware of a little pull on my trousers, and I looked down, and there was little Amala, and she looked up to me, and she said, Dan, Dad, I could have cried. I could absolutely have just bucket, buckets of tears. It was such a lovely little moment. Do you understand? This little toddler recognized me and would give something to me that in a wonderful way, no one in the church could ever give to me. Something that was wonderful, Dan Dad. And I often remember that and still refer back to that as being one of the significant moments in my life. Isn't that amazing? You might think, what a boring life he must have had. <laughs> but it's amazing how our children and our grandchildren touch us and affect us, and they affect us for good and Sometimes they can affect us for harm as well. Sometimes we can affect them for harm as well. So it's really important that we make sure that we are doing what we can as grandparents. You know the saying, if I'd known how nice grandchildren were, I would have had them first. Uh, and that's true. Sometimes it's easier to handle grandchildren than sometimes your own children as you're learning to parent with them. I want to just tell you again a little bit about my own uh, upbringing. I was born and raised in Liverpool. My father was a Baptist minister. He was successful, really good preacher, uh, really good teacher. I had lots and lots of gifts, and I would like to emulate him. Uh, I've done that in my life to some extent. But I had a grandfather who was a working class man. He worked for Tate and Lyle in Liverpool docks. 
and uh, he called everybody brother. His name was Billy Stone. He called everybody brother, not because he was a Christian, but because he'd been in the trade union movement. So he called everybody, even the ladies were called brother as well. Uh, and uh, he was just, he was saved think, through the influence of my Nana's family. And uh, he, he went through all sorts of difficulties. He, they had three children. Uh, two of my aunties died when they were young. One died, went to about two or three, because she fell into a fire and she was, he had to carry her to the hospital, and uh, she died later on from pneumonia. Uh, another one who was very vivacious, I never met these two aunties, very vivacious uh, kind of uh, young lady, according to all reports, uh, a lady called Mural. I remember the pictures, I remember seeing the pictures of her, I never met her. She died from TB when she was 18, and uh, my, my granddad also had been beaten up when there was difficulties in Liverpool between Protestants and Catholics. He was mistaken for somebody else and badly beaten up. So whenever you were near him, he was kind of looking over his shoulder, not really a nervous man, but he was a really faithful man. Do you know, and I was thinking about this a few, this a few years ago, and I was just thanking God for my grandfather and other grandparents too. I'm, I'm not singling him out as being perfect, but he had a big impact on me because my dad had the gifts and character, but my granddad, uh, Billy Stone, he was never on a platform. You know, he was never a preacher. Now and again, he'd show me and other people little notes that he'd made from reading the Bible. Uh, and they were very simple uh, and straightforward notes, but he was never a preacher. But I remember I used to stay with them weekends and on a Friday night they would both kneel by their chairs and they would pray and I was little and grow up even as a teenager I would stay with them and uh, they would pray and they were just great examples in that. When he retired he started visiting other people into his 80s. He was visiting people who were getting retired just to check they were okay. We went to the church it was a city mission in Liverpool. He was always there early. He went to the prayer meeting beforehand. It, I'm not saying he was perfect, but I, he was just an outstanding character. And you know, I was thinking about this, and I was saying to God as I was thinking about it, Lord, oh, what a pity that not many people saw that. Do you understand? It wasn't publicly known. It wasn't kind of uh, on Twitter or anything else how great my granddad was, how great he was. I said, what a pity that people didn't know how great as a character and a Christian man my granddad was. I felt God say to me, but you did. You saw what he was like. And again, I'm not that emotional, but I could have cried. I could have cried. And I was just thinking how important it is whether we're kind of public, whether we're kind of well-known people, whether we've got a ministry we think or not, a noticeable ministry, a recognized ministry in church life or not, to be faithful, to be a man of integrity, I, as a little boy, saw my granddad as such. And you know, that's probably had a greater impact on my life than my dad's great preaching and teaching and church leading ministry. And I'll just say that to challenge you. And that's what I want to be like. I want to be a grandfather that will be a blessing. Not because I'm up front. Not because I've led a church. But because 
I'm a godly man. I'm encouraging to them, and I can be a good example for them. When I was a little boy, I noticed my grandparents. Uh, I can't tell you exactly when I started to notice, but I went to them. They were faithful people, and I thank God for them. So it's a delightful relationship, a gift between two people at the opposite ends of life. And studies do show that the bond between grandparents and grandchildren is second in emotional power and formational influence only to the relationship between parents and children. Such a significant relationship, grandparent to grandchild. But it can also be fun. I've got a couple of stories. This guy said, my young grandson phoned to wish me happy birthday. He asked me how old I was, and I told him, 62. And he was quiet for a moment, and then he asked, Granddad, did you start at one? (laughs) Then there was another grandson who asked his grandfather how old he was. And the grandfather replied, uh, just in a teasing way, I'm not sure. And the grandson said, Look in your underpants, granddad, because mine says four to six. (laughs) Grandparents have one thing that God doesn't have, grandchildren. It's an amazing, unique role and opportunity. And I just want to say, I, I concede to Robin that he's well ahead in the grandchildren stakes. Right, so he has nine grandchildren. I have four. Uh, Let's see how we do here. How many people have five or more? Put your hands up. Okay. Keep your hand up if you have eight or more. Oh, well done. These are the people looking really old and wizened. (laughs) And we can pray for them. Keep your hand up if you have ten or more. Oh, well done. This is the tribe of Israel. Oh, Wendy, well done. All right, how many of you have 12 or more? Oh, we're still going. This could be a long seminar. Here we go. 15 or more. Oh, Wendy, well done. How many, Wendy? 19. Oh, there you are. Well done to Terry and Wendy. Go forth and multiply. And you're looking so good on it as well, Wendy. Well done. Well, there's reckoned to be about 13 million grandparents in the UK, with an average of about 4.4 grandchildren. But it's a reducing average uh, as people have less children, certainly amongst the ethnic uh, UK folk. But grandparents contribute billions per year to the care and welfare and the spoiling of grandchildren. It's reckoned over 3.9 billion uh, pounds are contributed through grandparent care to childcare. So if they had to pay for it, it cost the total of 3.9 billion for all the parents who take advantage in a good way and grandparents take advantage of the opportunity to have time with their grandchildren. And they reckon about 80% now of children have some measure of care provided by grandparents. And it's well over 50% of people that see their grandchildren every week. 
Uh, these figures, actually the 80% of children have measure of care, that's increased from 33% about 40 years ago. Because now we're in a context where there's increased divorce, there's increased reliance if they're still in the same location on grandparent support. Family breakup, single parents, house prices, mums working, all of these things mean the trend will probably continue of the need and the role of grandparents where that is possible geographically and relationally and of course how good you are in your health. And they reckon about uh, through divorce there are now over 400,000 grandparents have lost access to their grandchildren and some of you may be experiencing that as well. Really sad but it happens, there's pain in life, there's loss. Uh, but the good news actually is with this increased involvement of grandparents, generally grandparents are now fitter, they live longer, they're more educated, they're more internet connected, they're more mobile and wealthier than ever before. It just most of those people are not attending this seminar. That's probably. <laughs> so you're a fitter bunch than ever before. And uh, it's difficult when you look back, when you think of your grandparents, what age they were. And you now think I knew my granddad when he was like 15, 17 years younger than I am now. All right, and he seemed very old then. Uh, anyway, God bless them. I want to ask you a question. Can you be influenced or blessed or refreshed by your grandchildren? The Bible says yes. It says in Proverbs 17:6, grandchildren are a crown to the aged. And then in the story of Naomi and Ruth, there's a promise to Naomi, this woman who was once bitter over loss, it said, this is the promise, he, your grandchild, will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Talking about the child that her widowed daughter-in-law, Ruth, would have with Boaz, Jesse. And then from Jesse comes David and the line of Jesus. Having a grandchild can actually change your psychology of life. It can lift you in some way, something to be involved in. Not that we're bored necessarily, but it brings a wonderful new dimension to our lives. It can bring hope and joy to the forefront, something to pray about, something to be concerned about, something, to, if possible, to be involved in. Your children may have kept you poor, but their children can make you rich in your heart and your spirit. They can renew your spirit and give you a whole new occupation of loving them, lifting them, and laughing with them. It can be a wonderful joy and relationship. Next question. Do you think your life will have any influence on your grandchildren and great-grandchildren? The answer is yes. The Bible says Yes, in Psalm 103, verse 18, 17 and 18, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey 
his precepts. It goes on generation after generation. We read that Enoch walked with God. His son was Methuselah. His grandson was Lamech. His great-grandson was Noah, the faithful one that God chose to have survived the judgment that God was going to bring to mankind at that time. And in the New Testament, Paul talks to Timothy. He says, the sincere faith of your grandmother, Lewis, and your mother, Eunice, now is in you. Isn't that an amazing thing? That we think in some way we're not separated, we're not kind of withdrawn. We can have an influence where we can, where we have access, where we can pray for our grandchildren. We can have an influence. So are you influencing your grandchildren in such a way that they can become a joy to their parents? Not just a joy to you, but a joy to their parents. Are you influencing your grandchildren in such a way that they can become a joy to other people? Did I tell you the story about Palmer Airport where we just got off and we'd gone through the passport control? And this lady said, you must be the... Yes, I've told you, haven't I? But in some way, they were being a joy to someone else. I guess this lady might have traveled on other journeys where children... You know, it might have been noisy or disruptive or whatever, and that can sometimes happen with the best of children. But here it is, brings a great joy. And in some way, you kind of take some joy in that yourself. You think, good, well done, my little granddaughters. Are you influencing them to be faithful, obedient, respectful, responsible, fun to be with? Or are you just spoiling them rotten and sending them home? I'm going to ask Pam now to come and share some kind of helps and guidelines for grandparents. I want to introduce you to the best grandma in Six Jasmine Close. <laughs> so, yeah, in the world. Okay, the ground rules. I've got the do's and don'ts, but please take them as being positive because we hope they'll help you to keep from meddling and potentially messing up your children and your grandchildren. So firstly, do not dishonor your grandchildren's parents. If you, dis if you disrespect their parents, they will disrespect their parents, and that's simply not acceptable, spiritual, or profitable. And again, never correct the parent in front of the child. Ironically, it's our lifelong commitment to care for our children that can contribute to us making the mistake of not getting the right balance between caring for our children and allowing them their independence. Understand that God's authority is given to the parents of children, not to their grandparents. Don't assume the authority, responsibility, and control you once have over your children continues to exist over them, now they are adults and parents. And don't assume it extends over both your adult children and grandchildren. If grandparents act no different than parents, which can be the case, 
then the children do not get the benefit of the different relationship and support that grandparents can give. Another one is don't change the rules. You must enforce and honor the rules and expectations of the parents. If bedtime's eight o'clock, then bedtime at your house is eight o'clock too. If Johnny cannot have chocolate at home, then he can't have chocolate at grandma's either, even though sometimes that's very sad. If there's a dispute or a separation or divorce in the family, do all you can not to take sides or to malign a child's parents. Research from Oxford Uni found that a close relationship between grandparents and children can act as a buffer against the adverse effects of some life events, such as parental separation. And grandparents can prove a sense of stability in times of massive change. When a child's foundations are shaken, a grandparent can be a rock. The simple repetition of the traditions that always go on at grandma's house, stories, games, reading, baking, treats and fun, can help to steady a young life that is being shaken. We must allow our children to parent in their own way. Our role in the family team has changed. We're no longer the coach, but we are now the president of our children's fan club. Our job is to cheer them on and, not to, give them, and, and to give them our unconditional love and acceptance and support. Be very careful and sensitive in giving advice. Your support and encouragement will be welcome, but can so easily turn to control or meddling. Sometimes it's wiser to hold our advice, brilliant though we're sure it is, until we're asked. The truth is, new parents are bombarded with advice. They get it from healthcare professionals, friends, some health books, the internet, and occasionally from total strangers in the eyes of the supermarket. I think there is a difference between a child visiting your home with the parents, where the parents are still have overall responsibility and care, to childcare, where you as a grandparent are full, fully responsible for the child. So it's so important to make your house a safe place. In the USA, 17% of all prescri prescription drugs innocently swallowed by children belong to their grandparents. There's obvious things to do and obvious things we see. Your plugs, wires, chemicals and cleaning products in the kitchen, stairs, stair gate, garden ponds, sheds and their con contents, they all are very attractive to little people. Drawers, children love to get into drawers and actually we have a drawer in our lounge that we keep things in that actually they can sort through the little things that they expect to see each time they, they come and they enjoy looking in there. Pets. Some animals can be very jealous of babies and small children. And what about your precious ornaments and things? 
just keep them well out of reach. Have toys and books ready for the visit. Put different ones out each visit. We found that charity shops are a brilliant supply of, uh, of really good quality toys and really nice books. And so you can have different toys in your home to the toys that they have in their home. Have them out ready. A bag of toys that they can empty. It's an am amazing how they get so excited diving in there and pulling out what is really the same toys every week. But for them, it's uh, exciting each time and they show such delight in seeing them. And another thing is, I think is important is to encourage them to help putting the toys away at the end of each play session and definitely before their parent arrives to collect them. Really, you don't want to be spending 15 minutes after they've left putting their toys away. What you really need is a hot drink and a sit down. We thought we were quite good at having a, a, a safe house, or I did. Um, but um, I was in the, in the kitchen with, my, um, with one of my daughters, and we were suddenly aware that everything had gone very, very quiet in the house. So she went, went off to investigate to see what had happened. And she found the two littlest ones, the, the cousins, the th then they were about three, with lipstick plastered all around their lips and face. And, uh, and she actually fortunately got a camera, but she said to them, you know, what is on your face? And they very proudly said, lipstick. And, uh, and she said, and whose lipstick? Grandma's. And she said, and what are you doing? And they said, we looking like mummies. <laughs> now, it was funny, and we enjoyed the laugh about it, but actually, I was horrified when I went to my makeup bag, where they'd got the lipstick from, and found the other things in there, such as tweezers, small pair of scissors, mascara that really they could have done a massive amount of damage with. Um, we've got um, a nice little video that adds to our precious memories and family quotes and we were just glad that they were safe. Thank you, Pam. Now, I'm going to say something to help you to be a blessing to both your children and your grandchildren. I want to read from Psalm 71. It says this in verse 14 uh, to 21. I'll just read part of it. And it's talking about when I'm old and my strength has gone. Verse 17 to 18 says this. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. There is something that we can help with with our grandchildren. First of all, it's our past. We can teach them or we can be an example from the past. You have taught me since my youth, O God. Many of us here have a testimony, a long-term testimony to the faithfulness of God, to God's ways. When I used to visit my grandparents and stay with them 
They knew they trusted God. Friday night, they would pray. And they was just, I knew as a little boy, they were praying to God. They, they were putting trust in God. They weren't religious. They, they weren't doing it for my sake. They did it regularly. And it was just amazing. They were trusting a faithful God. You have experience. You have wisdom. It's not always appreciated, but it can be passed on. Another thing that's quite important these days is, is some of your family history. Telling people, I, you know the, uh, the program on television, Who Do You Think You Are? Then that goes through the ancestry of certain kind of well-known people. And it's obviously well-scripted and well-planned, so there's generally something quite alarming or difficult that, that comes. But most of them, when they're interviewed right at the beginning, they say, I, when I was young, I wasn't really that interested in my ancestry, but now I'm getting older. And I think there's like a, an age, where maybe your children's age, where they won't be so bothered about their ancestry. But some, actually, your great your grandchildren can't be interested. So some, our granddaughter Amal is now increasingly interested about what her mommy was like when she was a little girl. Uh, so you tell stories, what happened. It's really important. Rich and poor times, good and bad times, births and deaths. I mentioned to you earlier on about knowing about my, what my grandparents in Fazakali, Liverpool went through, losing two of their three daughters, going through that with faithfulness. I remember stories about World War I, where my grandfather was kind of torpedoed, that he served in the Merchant Navy, and things like that, and how he was on fire watch in the Second World War, in Liverpool docks, where he was getting bombed regularly. He was on top of the buildings, looking out for fires and all sorts of things. Just incredible stories that, you know, I can't connect with and experience, but you hear of them and you think. And generally, that generation were quite quiet about what they did. You know, there was nothing really they boasted about, about the First World War or other wars. You had to kind of delve in. But sometimes you, you just in circumstances or a moment, they tell you a little bit what it was like in Liverpool during the World War, the wars and so on. And it was just interesting to connect with the past. And, and now I, I remember those stories. I'm well, well into my 60s, but I carry them because I heard them from my grandparents. So some of the history of your family and things, and for you to kind of go through knowing that you've hit things and challenges in your life with no complaining or bitterness, no resentment, no prejudice. Don't bring that to them. Don't bring, don't bring racism to them. Don't bring bad attitudes to them. The psalmist says, you've taught me since my youth, O God. What God has done for you in the past can be a really great testimony and example for your grandchildren today. And then there's the present. He says, to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Be a lively witness to God's great works in your life today. You don't have to be super spiritual with your grandchildren. You don't have to kind of, you know, kind of preach at them. Just be normal, but talk in a good way. My, my grandparents never kind of preached at me. In some way, they just talked in a good way, and, and I noticed how they talked, how they talked about Jesus, 
how they talked about about the church and things like that was so positive and so helpful to me. There, there wasn't gossip. Uh, my grandfather never, don't think I ever heard him speak bad about anybody. He was such a gracious man. And those sort of things speak well. He's, he was a lively witness in what he was going through. Give God glory and praise. Be, be happy, be content. Be willing to praise God in front of your grandchildren. Don't be just a kind of an older person tutting louder than anyone else. I believe this. As you get older, your tuts get more practiced. You know, society, what's happening with young people today? You know, we used to have a lady in our church, and uh, she was from a brethren background, and anybody got up to share, especially a lady with a, a shorter skirt on, she would tut. And as she got older, her tuts got louder and louder. And I had to have a word with her and say, please, you know, just have grace. It's a different generation. It's different things. But sometimes we are in a different context. We've got to make sure we're not just all miseries, complaining about things. Be careful. Don't be grumpy. Don't be critical. Each of us will leave a legacy. I've just read a book about a police commander in London. And he makes this statement, every contact leaves a trace. And he wasn't just talking about a crime scene. He was talking about relationships as well. Every contact leaves a trace. And each of us will leave a legacy and an example, even more than your money or what you provide for your grandchildren in how you are in your character. It'll have an impact on your children and your grandchildren and beyond, more than what we can imagine. And I keep going on about it, but in some way, I'm now talking to you about my granddad. My granddad will be flummoxed to ever think. Do you understand? The years, decades after his death, right, I could use him as an illustration, an example, and I could take it for my own benefit and share it with other people to encourage them as well. You just don't know what's going to happen with how you are with your grandchildren, how you behave. We need to show our grandchildren how to live and lead a godly life. Show them how to love, how to forgive, how to be positive and faithful, how to be hopeful, how to be generous, how to use your talents and your treasures, how to be gracious. And there's an interesting thing I've noticed that sometimes grandchildren, you see one of our daughters, Lindsay, doesn't go to church anymore. She married an unbeliever. And uh, they're a lovely couple. We love them. They're fantastic. We love them. We love our granddaughter uh, through their Megan as well. They're fantastic. But, you know, Pam's mom is 87 now. And she's able to talk to Lindsay in a way that sometimes we don't. She's able to say to Lindsay, I'm still praying for you, Lindsay. Right? I'm going to pray about that. And in an amazing way, where Lindsay might be embarrassed if we talk to her like that, she accepts it from her grandma. She thinks that's wonderful. Now, I don't want to patronize anyone's faith in that. Uh, and I don't say that we don't have a part to play in it. But sometimes grandchildren even where they're in a context where they're not going to church, not believing in God, not following the Lord Jesus Christ, can sometimes gather something from your faith that they may not even gather from their parents. It's important.
So the other advantage, I think, in the present, and Pam's referred to it, we don't have to be the disciplinarians for our grandchildren. We do need to bring some sense of order where that's appropriate. But we can be freer to share our values and listen to theirs. And I know some of you here will have grandchildren in your 20s and 30s, maybe also in your teens. You can still be a point of contact even with a teenager. That's like a miracle. You can have conversations with teenage grandchildren that maybe their parents can't have. They might talk with you just in a, a visit, how things are going at school. They just kind of loosen up with you that they may not find it so easy to do with their parents. Not that the parents are bad or difficult, it's just that it's a different relationship. You're not going to tell them off, maybe. You're not going to preach at them or be overguarded. Now, you may have the same thoughts, but you have a wonderful place as grandparents not to be so kind of full on in it and just give room and hear things as well. I would say this. It probably isn't a great way to illustrate it, but it's as if parents have to be more about law with their children and grandparents can be more grace. <laughs> Now, I think parents should be grace as well, but it's one you're raising children, you need to give them some kind of uh, context. You need to give them some kind of framework with it. And as parents, grandparents, we don't ignore that. We don't disrespect that. We don't go against that framework. As Pam was talking about their rules and expectations and guidelines and what's best. But in some way, we don't have to kind of push those. And there's a context in which they might be open. And many a child who's struggling with the parents can be suitably helped to a better place through a conversation with a grandparent. It can happen. It can happen. And without you being preachy, without you trying to force anything, you can be just a significant help in their lives and the lives of your children as well as parents. And it's because grandparents' role is so different they're so important in some way for balance. However, I would say wait patiently on the substitute bench. Don't force your way in to the field of instruction too quick. But when the opportunity comes, I would say more than instructors, be storytellers. Be storytellers. And this is very appropriate when children are younger to tell them a story, even a Bible story that illustrates. You look at lots of the good Christian books now, they're brilliant books about just bringing good Christian values and someone's told the story. I look at them and think, yeah, I could do that. You can do that. You're very creative. We can just tell a story. Someone in the Bible, this will happen. Or someone asked Jesus once, how many times should I forgive? And Jesus said, well, keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. And you can just tell in an easy way some truth that will leave a wonderfully, potentially fruitful deposit in the life of your grandchild. And I would say even as they're older, even as teenagers, don't think that they're not going to listen. They're not able to absorb. Even though there's many other voices in their lives, the grandparents' voice, by the grace of God, can still press through and make a difference. Their parents actually may have different priorities. Your, pair, the, your children may have different choices and make different choices. 
you've got to be careful not to jump in too quickly on that. You've got to learn to bite your lip. Uh, life is different now than it was when you and I were parents. Even just this last 20, 30 years, life has changed so much. That doesn't mean I give up on having input, but some things that we would never do now are the context of our grandchildren growing up. Some values that we would never believe. Values about marriage and things like that. They're being affected by that. They're living in a different context. And sometimes you can't just transport them back 30, 40, 50 years. Or back to when you were a child. So you've got to be very careful and sensitive how you bring what your values are. You can't keep saying, well, in my day, we would never do that. When I was a little child, I was never allowed to do that. Now, you might believe that and see some good in it. But actually, it's a very different context to raise children these days. And our children, as parents, need our support, not our criticism. They need our help. And our grandchildren need our help as well. And not just us telling them what was right and wrong in our day. Our Christian values shouldn't change. But our children live in a society with very different values than you and I were raised in for most of us here. So be aware of that. It's an illusion that because we lived a certain way, that's the best way for our children now or our grandchildren now. Life does change and there's many differences. You think about mobile phones, the internet, other things like that. So in the present, be a blessing. Look at the future. The psalmist says, Lord, preserve me so I can declare your greatness to the next generation. It's a good prayer. Pray, Lord, help me to live a long life. And I want to live a long life so I can be a blessing to other people and a blessing to my grandchildren and even great-grandchildren where that is possible. Request God that you might live a good long life so you can be a blessing. It's reckoned out of Protestant churchgoers, a survey has shown, about 12% were primarily influenced by their grandparents' Christian faith. That's quite a big size, 12%. They were influenced primarily by their grandparents' Christian faith. Pass on the greatness and gospel of God to the next generation. Tell them the Bible stories. Tell them your personal stories. The Bible seems to indicate the spiritual health of, health of grandparents can be a key factor in the grace of God being experienced in future generations. Timothy, you were blessed because Lois, your grandma, and your mom Eunice had sincere faith. And what they had is now in you. Now, Timothy came to that himself. I'm not a Christian because my father was a Christian. I'm a Christian because I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. But the amazing thing is that we can be an influence and be a help uh, to God in his work of salvation. Keep the fire of faith burning in your life. I, I want to be a godly man. I want to be a godly man. I wanted to do that as I led the church. Now in my whatever retirement's going to mean for me, I want to be a godly man. I want to be a godly man for Pam's sake. I want to be a godly man for righteousness' sake. I want to be a godly man for my children's sake. 
and I want to be a godly man for my grandchildren's sake as well. That's the future. We're going to be challenged. There's temptations, there's difficulties that come. And also, pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. That is far more effective than your doses of advice. Sometimes your advice won't be accepted. Sometimes your relationship with your children might be very strained and you might be kept away. That can happen. But I tell you, through prayer, you can still change things. And you can influence things. I told you, my grandparents used to pray. I once asked them when I was a little boy. I said, what, what do you pray about? And they used to say, well, we, we pray about this and we pray about that. And they were bold enough to say to me, and we pray for you, Malcolm. And I, I didn't really fully appreciate what they were saying, but I do now. I do now. I am what I am by the grace of God. But I am what I am, I believe, because I had grandparents that prayed for me and parents that prayed for me. The least and the best you can do is to pray for your grandchildren. And also remember to pray for your children too as they seek to parents. So as we finish, and then we're going to have an opportunity for some uh, Q&A, uh, a word to children and to grandchildren. So it's good if people hear this, uh, uh, they listen to it in another context, or even you're here as uh, not a grandparent. We live in a culture that promotes youthfulness but the great danger, it can devalue the elderly. And the Bible calls us to honor the aged, the older generation. Leviticus says, and this can sound very old-fashioned, but it's God's word, rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Elderly folk have a lot to give. Grandparents have a lot to give, a lot to share, a lot to teach, and they can be fun and witty too. A lady called Jeanne Calmert, at 120 years old, was once the oldest living human whose birth date could be verified. When asked to describe her vision for the future, she replied, very brief. <laughs> when a reporter asked her, what she liked best about being so old, she answered wryly, well, there's no peer pressure. <laughs> Older folk have a lot to give. Parents, it's your responsibility how you care for your children. It's your decision. But unless there is clear justification, allow your grandparents to hopefully be a blessing to your children. If there are issues, if there have been issues, try to put things right where you can. And even as grandparents, if you've meddled, if you've made a mess of things or you've been misunderstood, as much as you can, live at peace with your children and your grandparents. If you can put it right, seek to do that. There's no promises you can do it, but your heart should always be for a restoration, to be someone who's an encourager, not standing in your own bitterness, or your own self-justification, but wanting to restore relationships that you might be part of God's wonderful grace to your children 
and to your grandchildren. So back to grandparents. In old age, give good advice, be a godly example, then die without regret. Play your part appropriately and when you're invited to do so. But grandparents can be a different breed these days. And sometimes they can be too busy to play their part. Sometimes grandparents, again, are divorced or separated themselves, and there's complications in that, in access to children and to grandchildren. So some anonymous poet put it this, this way, this change where we're all kind of even as grandparents, younger and fitter. In the dim and distant past, when life's tempo wasn't fast, grandmas used to rock and knit, crochet sew and babysit. When the kids were in a jam, they could always count on gran. In the age of gracious living, grandma was the gal forgiving. Grandma is now in the gym, exercising to keep slim. She's off touring with the bunch, taking others out to lunch, working hard to stay a girl. All her days are in a whirl. Nothing seems to stop or block her now that grandma's off her rocker. <laughs> I think it's great for us as we get older and we have good health and God's calling us to, to go, to be part of good churches, to continue to serve. It's great that we also find the energy and the place to be good grandparents where that is possible and appropriate. And if things have gone difficult for you, then seek to put it right. There can be no guarantees of that happening. A great book, Rob Parsons writes some really great books, 60 minute, so 60 minute parents, 60 minute grandparents. What it means is you can read this book in about 60 minutes. That's what it means. Really easy to read. It just covers some areas. It's just good to kind of remind ourselves. A lot of it you will do. A lot of it you will be aware of. But it's good just to kind of be reminded of things that you need to maybe give attention to or that can help you in your grandparenting. In this increasingly fractured society, with families breaking up, grandparents can be the rock of faith and common sense, the rock of humor and spiritual depth that can make the life of your children and your grandchildren richer, wiser, and healthier as you support them and bless their children. And I just want to say, if you're a grandparent, may God richly bless you in your grandparent. May God give you strength and much encouragement as you do it. If you're hitting difficulties, may God give you wisdom to know how to work through that but keep in peace as much as lies as possible with God and with those in your family. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. Are there any questions? We'll just a few minutes. I know it's way past your bedtime. Uh, I know that some of you, you know, had a little snooze during that. That's fine. It was nice of you to come in and uh, be with us as you snoozed. If there are any questions, if anyone wants to ask now, please ask. If there's none, that's no problem either. We can finish, we can just pray and move on. No, I agree with you. I think we covered everything. 
Uh, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Be really good just to pray with one another before we go. Have you got a few minutes to do that? Why don't you just find somebody else in, around you and just, just pray with them? No preaching, no kind of long-term counseling or anything like that. Just say, you know, how many grandchildren, what's your contact? Can I pray with you? And just pray and just bless them. And then off you go and enjoy the rest of the weekend. God bless you. Thank you so much.